so <clears throat> I got excited, right? And sometimes in you know the heat of passion, you make mistakes. You know, have you you guys ever been there? In the heat of the moment, I sure have. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, I look. There's a basket on Charlotte's fridge on top of it. It and says General Store on it. Did you take that from a store? No. General Store? No, I took it from a store, which I paid for it when I walked out. So you just walked which in and you said, I like that basket. Stores I work? That? I have been, I have been asking Josh to do that exact same thing with a dog at uh, Old Navy. <laughs> um, a dog they have, like, they set a little scene at the front of Old Navy with mannequins wearing clothes, and there's this dog not wearing a single piece of clothing, and he keeps asking me to buy it or at, ask how much it at is. At least price it. Anyway. It doesn't have a barcode. Do you and want him to say how much is that doggy in the window, or you just want him I to... I want to say, name a price for that dog. <laughs> he wants... No jokes. But, you know, I asked Charlotte, I said, can I put my keys in that basket? And then it took her a while to answer, because she was probably contemplating why I would ask that. No, I didn't contemplate. I was like, oh, that seems like a normal thing for Zach to ask. And so, she said yes, so I went to go toss him in the basket, except I missed. I'm too strong, I think is the moral yeah. of this story. And they're now behind her fridge. <laughs> Completely behind. I cannot get them. I we have no ride need home. Need a ride exactly. home. We came yeah. together in this big boy truck, as mentioned in You're previous episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I can leave whenever I want, and then you guys can just stay here. <laughs> I know where my keys are. Is there like a heater or a fan on over there? Or is it the fridge? Uh, no, that... <laughs> you mean, did Zach destroy the fridge? And now <laughs> the fridge is now making a horrible noise. Yeah. No, sadly, my keys have punctured a hole inside of the, uh, like, ice maker or something. Oh, that's why it's so cold in here. Yeah. Actually, the reason, the, the sound that you hear is why it's not cold in here right now. Ah, my stove is actually working. It's the heat. Well... Yes. Sorry about the noise. Okay. Um, usually I turn it off, but I can't turn it off when it's running. They probably can't hear it. And also my fridge does not have an ice maker. It's really old. Oh, so you use ice trays. Our, yes. our, my fridge doesn't have an ice maker either. But yeah, it was mine. It, uh, cre- it, well, it doesn't in a conventional way. But in <laughs> It the, makes ice in a non-traditional right, way. Right, so on the very bottom of the freezer, uh, it'll build up a layer of ice oh. uh, to the fact where you can't close the freezer door. Oh. And so I have to get in... Do you use that for your drinks? Yeah. What <laughs> happens is I have to grab a hammer, <clears throat> slide my arm underneath of the drawers, and break the ice up. Slide it all out, have it melt all over my floor. Uh, well, I try to sweep it up, but a lot of it melts. So you ju- you do not use it for your drinks. Well, I sweep it up and then put it in a drink. Okay. Because <laughs> I really needed to ask. Because I uh, sometimes wonder. What do you wonder about? <laughs> if you actually if you eat the ice that builds on the wall of your fridge? No, I don't eat the freezer. ice that builds on the wall of my freezer. I can't imagine that would be. <laughs> Okay. It's the worst awful taste, you know, like the inside of a fridge if it's not like... It's yeah. an acquired taste. <laughs> I mean... Not as bad as onion ring floor onion rings. And now the, no. the sound has changed slightly in nature. Now it's like a... <laughs> Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea. It's an Agatha Christie podcast where we analyze her books one by one and Charlotte is drinking a Pepsi. I'm Josh. I'm Charlotte and this is my Pepsi. I'm Zach, and my keys are behind her fridge. <laughs> Today we have a special episode that includes a cold open. What a throw, harkening back to the past. Throw harkening. <laughs> we were throwing hark so hard <laughs> that it almost hit us in the head. And today we are talking about Agatha Christie's book, The Holler. It is a novel. It is a Poirot. 
and it's been one I've been talking about since day one. Yeah, you've been really looking forward to this one. I really and I've wondered why. I, so I explained I really like this book, and I knew that we had different opinions, and I just thought that that might make an interesting discussion because prior to this uh, book that we're covering now, I feel like we've only really disagreed on like one book which was the Sitifer mystery, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that big of a disagreement. It was mm-hmm. like, you, well, you really didn't like it, and I was like, well, I kind of like it, but I don't think it's that good. It was kind of yeah. like, I have a soft spot for it. But I don't think right. there's been one where we're like, where we actually have a big gap in our opinions. Yeah. Which is what I've been wondering with this one, if it, if it is just emotional, or if we can actually give reasons why we like or dislike this book. No, I don't, I don't think I like it for emotional reasons. Okay. I think I like it for... Physical reasons. I think it's a hot book. <laughs> uh, speaking of the covers, speaking of the hot covers, uh, we have three fascinating covers. We have one that I like the best, which is a hand dipped in the pool. This is the Black Dogs, which we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago that they don't make anymore. They're very nice editions. They're very nice. Mine is ripped. Fun story about this book. This was one of the first that uh, uh, I was so young that my mommy bought for me. And, uh, yes, I was 24. And I said, <laughs> and were you chewing on it? Is that why I don't know. I don't know how it got ripped. It might have got ripped in a move or something. Oh, I thought when you said funny story, it was about it being ripped. No, not about it being ripped. It was just about this book. Um, oh, so okay. I had this book. It was one of the first that I bought, so it was one of the first that I owned. And I was very protective of my Agatha Christie books in my collection. Well, uh, one of my cousins uh, was like, oh, give me a book to read. And so I was like, oh. Not Zach? No, no, not Zach. I would never ask that. <laughs> Zach was the one who read The Moving Finger under his desk during the earthquake. During sixth grade. Not during an earthquake. Sorry, I always get those two confused. Um, somebody asked and I gave them this book. Or they might have picked this book. I don't know why. They might have said, oh, I like how the hand is in the water. And said, I, famously, you've said that too. I like that too, so maybe I'm, I'm just putting that on them. So they took it to their house and they were reading it and then they liked it. And then one of their friends came over. I know this sounds super vague. One of their friends came over, picked up the book, read it, and really liked it. And though, so for some reason, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give the book to that other friend, even though the first friend wasn't done with it. So I gave the book to that friend and I was like, well, don't tell the first friend. Don't tell my cousin. But they did tell the cousin because they were friends. And so then I had two people mad at me, but the second person had the book. But then the person had the book for so long that I got impatient and I asked for it back so that nobody got to finish it but me. <laughs> Was anyone involved in this story Real? later to become Zach's wife? No. Oh, okay. I, I wondered that as well. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was long, long before that. Okay. Um, I, uh, none of the people... In involved in the story are still alive are still around <laughs> they have all vanished into the ether uh but i was very protective of it not because of the contents of the book but just because uh i did it with my collection and it was so the you first were like one i owned hey have you finished that book they're like no i'm almost done and you're like well I'll give it back now all right oh well, i want it yeah <laughs> And I didn't, I like took it back and then I, I haven't reread it since, but I oh put it, now you're going to have to mouth me the name of the people. Slipped it on the shelf. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> that explains a lot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like nine. So it's a generation up from what we assumed. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it is. But similar <laughs> ideas. 
Um, anyway, that's the story of this book. This book I got more recently because the hollow. And also, has... it helps. It gives me a lot of peace because I was like, "Who on earth did you possibly loan this to two separate people who started reading it and liked it?" Although I will say, although it, it, this will come later, that I do enjoy the first part of the book. Um, th- there were two people out there who liked this book. Air quotes. It's um, true. So now, now that makes sense. Now that I know who it was, it doesn't matter. Oh my goodness! See, the <laughs> debate starts. That's true. They don't have good taste. See, thank you. <laughs> I know them. It's a good book, though. One of them is um, Josh's cousin. <laughs> and your sister. And my sister. <laughs> <laughs> the other title for the book is Murder After Hours, which is the edition that we both have. Which mine is mine is ridiculously stupid. Yours is really ugly. I hate it. Mine is <laughs> completely not factual. Uh, it has a body like bleeding out into a fountain. Right, um, which it's like very clearly stated that it's a swimming pool. Yeah, there is uh, a character within the book that is reading a book that is called like the Clue of the Fountain or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's where they got it from. But in that case, why not make it a pool, which is actually the scene of the crime in the book? Well, see, mine has like playing cards on it, and I'm like, what on earth? That has nothing to do with this. But there's that one tiny, tiny like paragraph yeah. where the main like, the main character, the the victim goes to leave, and his daughter, which is really weird, is like, let me tell your fortune, Daddy, oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah, playing yeah. cards. And she's like, oh, right. you're gonna die. Right. <laughs> and but they play cards, don't they? Like, yeah, because they, they play cards, they play, they play bridge, bridge. But again, it's not important. Yeah, it's just, a, I mean, they so play bridge it in just, almost every It makes Christie, for but. a really weird, um, it makes for a weird cover. And also, Murder After Hours makes no sense. No. He was killed, the, the, uh, this is, there's only one body in this, right? Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting thing to talk about. He was killed in the morning. But, he, yeah, he was killed, like, before Early afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... Or around one or And, something. like, murder so, after hours, like, it's not a business. Right. I think they got that, they're like, oh, it's a pool. So the pool was closed. But <laughs> it was a private It wasn't pool. even, and I don't even think there was any swimming being done. It was No, because it was in the fall. Yeah, because there were leaves in the pool. It, th- it makes, it no makes sense. zero sense. Excuse me, I think that it just, like, pulled out of a hat... And the third title makes even or less sense. Or someone was just told to, like, hey, make up a title for this. Right. And they just Because clearly it's the U.S. title where if a book didn't have murder in it, they're like, nobody's going to read it. Like, we have to put murder or death in it because why would they read a book just called The Holler? And uh, so... It's spelled H-O-L-L-O-W. Yeah. Um, but the... It was... Somebody... Uh, comp- whenever she went to serialize it, which she always did with... with all the books, they complained that it was too slow in the beginning, that the murder didn't happen early enough. And so when it was serialized, it was shortened immensely, and Christy has a lot of things to say about that. And But the title of that was completely changed, too, to The Outraged Heart, which is a horrible title. Um, It makes more sense than Murder After Hours, yeah, but it's... I think it's just bad. It's not Christy, <laughs> it's cheap. The Outraged Heart. What was the other... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Manslaughter... Park. Manslaughter Park. <laughs> you said it was the, the worst third, title ever. Yes, it's the third edition into the YA mystery series based on Jane Austen's. We have Pride and Premeditation, fine. Sense and Second Degree Murder, or Sense and Second Degree, not good. And then Manslaughter Park, the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. It's a real Because stretch. you're not even going to get like that. That's it, Except for that it's the same style as the other two. You would never get that that was a ode to Mansford Park. Manslaughter yeah. Park just sounds like a park you go to commit manslaughter. Which is it really manslaughter then? <laughs> if it's a park for no, that? It has to be a park that just a lot of people die by accident. Right. So as stated hmm. at the beginning, me and Charlotte, we have differing opinions about this. That has tracked... Through forever, 
And yes. Uh, so we thought that that was an interesting twist on uh, this because we've only really disagreed on one, which is also making this episode, which we believe will be a two-parter. We'll see how time goes, but we believe it'll be a two-parter. Will be <laughs> a debate episode. So throughout the episodes, we're going to throw out debate topics where we're going to see how everybody feels. Zach will be able to get in on it. Do we want to warm up with one? Zach, do you have one? Do you want me to give one? Go ahead and give one. All right, I'm going to start <laughs> with a debate you had topic. One job, Zach. I- Listen, my one job was to show up today. That's true. He always says that. Good job. All right, here's one. Crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut smooth. butter? Smooth. Crunchy. Crunchy. Oh, my gosh. You guys are the worst. <laughs> if I wanted crunchy, I'd eat peanuts. <laughs> I like the crunch. It gives, like, a little bit of a different sensation in the sandwich. <laughs> and it feels healthier, even though it's not. No, that's what chips are for when you eat a PB&J. For the cr- <laughs> you get a PB&J, and you get a bag of, like... Uh, ruffled uh, or ri- what are they called? The Uts, wavy, wavy Uts. Uh, oh, Uts is rippled. Rippled Uts. Wavy's the latest. Sour cream and onion chips. You take them together. Get yourself whatever kind of drink you want. <laughs> I think that sounds. You're good. allowed a free choice on that. Now, just recently, <laughs> and that's since I've been married, and we were with. We were with a group of people, and I was talking about just, like, it didn't even occur to me that it was weird, but she was like, I've always thought that's weird that you eat, like, salty chips with a PB&J, and I'm like, no, you're nuts. And then everyone <laughs> around us was like, no, that's weird, and I'm like, that's, I've always done that. Like, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly and, like, sour cream and onion. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like that goes good together, or barbecue chips. Or, yeah. Because it's, it's... That's not weird to anybody here? No, I remember as a child just eat like, very young child, I remember just eating the sandwich, and that was, like, all you needed. But then when I grew up and got to make my own decisions, I was like, why am I not eating chips with this? It's a sandwich. You eat chips with a sandwich. Yes. I guess right? some people view it, like, kind of as a dessert, but... It's That's not. wrong. It's lunch. <laughs> Your fault. You're incorrect. It it's, it's a cheap lunch. You say to yourself, what do I want? I don't... I'm not in the mood to have, like, a big meal. Oh, I'll just have a PB&J. Right, right, and like you put everybody smooth sitting peanut butter on chicken it. dinner. <laughs> you got your chicken, you, you got your mashed potatoes, your cranberry sauce, and you're like, I don't want a big meal. Do you have any peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> and smooth peanut butter because I don't want, I don't want that much texture. I don't want to chew that much. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I'm with you. on If the I wanted to chew, best I'm, brand, best yeah. brand of peanut butter. Yeah. No, in general. <laughs> of anything. The best brand. Best brand. Um, Probably. <laughs> it's really hard to narrow yeah. down from every like, brand. I forget. Probably brand Skittles. Is- <laughs> uh, I say Jif too, yeah. I don't eat it enough to have an opinion. I don't... I say Jif just because that's always what we had. But, I mean, if you handed me a sandwich with peanut butter on it... Of any sort. <laughs> Either a peanut butter sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I could not be like, this ain't Jeff. I would be like, is this crunchy peanut butter? Yeah. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> I will say that, I don't even know if they make this anymore. Was it like Peter Pan? It had a picture yeah. of Peter yeah. Pan on it. it got recalled. Was, was, <laughs> I right. didn't know that. Uh. Um, it was a little oily. Like, that's yeah. the only thing I get, the only opinion that I have. I mean, they still make it. I just remember there being a re- big recall and we never bought it ever. Related debate, other nut butters. Yeah. Oh, Good or bad? Like, oh, you mean yes like or no? Almond like, butter? I don't uh, like almond butter. Almond butter? I've eaten it. It doesn't make it's me too, happy. It's a little too oily. Some people swear by it, and I think that they're insane. <laughs> it cannot replace peep nut butter, no. that's for sure. No, no, no. It I, just, it doesn't, yeah. The only way it makes sense is if you eat so much peanut butter 
that like you feel like you're gonna like it's your bad life for is you. in danger. Yeah, because you're eating so much peanut butter and like it's or it's, if like, you're more allergic fattening. to peanuts, right? But if you're allergic <laughs> to peanuts, just give it up. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had cashew butter? No. It's actually very good. Now. What's fun about that is that there's a commercial... Is that he doesn't believe you. <laughs> what's fun about that is there a yeah, commercial... Yeah, that was instant no. With, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy who always stars with The Rock now? Um, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah, Vin Diesel. <laughs> no. I was thinking of the Fast movies, but they don't like each other. No, they don't. They famously hate each other. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Hart has a commercial where he's like, cashew butter? I didn't know cashews had butter. And I was like, that's an awesome joke. And that's an awesome Kevin Hart impersonation. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... You're welcome. Okay. Uh, see? Spirited debates. One down. <laughs> millions to go. And I'm the odd man out. So. Uh, Only that time. The Hollow. Uh, where this is 1940. What year are we in? We are in 1946. Ah. Riveting year. Um, so, Charlotte, give your first impressions whenever you read The Hollow. Do you remember where you were? <laughs> Was it early on? <laughs> Were the Twin Towers standing? Are we not, um... Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a bold joke. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm just wondering what the timeline was. Um, I don't remember. Famously, I, Were you uh, alive don't... when 9-11 hit? <laughs> yes. Which is... Huh. Oh. <laughs> Weird. Weird. What? Stop. No, nothing. Stop it. Reading. No, tell me what that was about. Just, just wondering how old you just are. Just wondering how, when you were in, if you were around. Yeah, when 9 11 This might be based off of uh, whenever you insinuated that we weren't alive when the first Avatar movie came out in the last episode. I thought it was a really long time ago. <laughs> and that that was why Avatar wasn't good. I think we at 17 yet. and a half minutes in, we might want to tell them what the book is about first. Are we done? Before we worry about whether I was alive in 2001. Are we done? No. <laughs> We're not done yet. I'm not telling you how old I am. Go ahead. I mean, I know how but old you can are. do your. You yeah, can, that's what I thought. You can do. You don't remember where you are, so yeah, we can talk about the plot. Okay. The so little just don't remember where you are. <laughs> do you know where you are? <laughs> You're in the jungle, baby. Do you remember when they first? <laughs> You're die. Yeah. Do so you remember when you first landed on the moon? Do you want to do the plot? Um. Uh, I don't care. Go for it. I, for some reason, wasn't ready. Okay. I'm all thrown off because I mean, you guys are looking at each other. <laughs> we were looking at each other because we agreed that we were going to roast you for asking if we were alive when that first Avatar movie came out. <laughs> I have no regrets. Um, <laughs> you should have one major regret. <laughs> and that's about that question. Uh, I'll do the plot. Uh, so About the Twin Towers? Thing? About the holler, I'll do the plot. No, the, oh. about the question about uh, when... <laughs> Were we alive when the Avatar movie came out? Oh, okay. We were. Okay. It's 2009. <laughs> I, I genuinely thought it was a really long time We ago. were alive when, well, I don't know if we were alive because I don't know what month it came out, but when Titanic came out. It was 1997. I was. You were. I were. That was the year I was born. <laughs> the Holler. Um, <laughs> it is about a little place called The Holler where uh, a couple called the Angatels, they have, it's like... A little vacation home where people get together. It was people that always, like, uh, vacation it's together. It's real extended family, right? Like yeah. cousins and second cousins. And they had always va vacation together at a place called Ainsvik. And yeah, Zach is giving me the eyebrows <laughs> because he knew when you talk about cousins and second cousins. Right. to the light. <laughs> like a There's moth a... to the light. Um, yeah, so they get together and... Uh, couple of the people is the Christos, John and Gerda. John is just a jerk, 
and uh, a doctor. Yeah, he's a doctor. It's obvious to everybody that he um, is has had affairs on his wife. Everybody kind of just thinks that his wife is kind of dumb, and she's really devoted to him. Slow. They always. That's what yeah, they say. That Gerda's just slow, and they kind of just feel sorry for her. Uh, they all come to the hollow, but there's some drama because there's Henrietta, who everybody kind of knows that John and Henrietta have always had a thing for each other, and uh, a woman staying down the road also is somebody that that John was engaged to years before. Who is an actress. Yeah, and then John is found shot dead uh, by the swimming pool, and Poirot walks in on the scene while Gerda is standing above him. Gerda, his wife, is standing above him with the gun in her hand. With a gun in her hand? With a gun in her hand. And that is the hook of the hollow. I think an excellent hook. That's why this was the first one I bought, because when I read that, the woman standing over her dead husband with the gun, is it that simple? I was like, immediately I had to read it. And they just, I don't think they make mystery books with hooks like that anymore. Something Mm -hmm. that you can so easily access. And if they do, we talked about this a little with Sophie Hanna. If they do put that kind of a simple hook on the back or the side, when you finally do they don't read follow it, it through. Yeah, it's something else entirely, which it's just it doesn't pay off. But whenever you get something that Christy always knows, even in her books that aren't that great, she knows how to hook you. She knows how to get you. And she usually stays true to it through the whole thing. I mean that Absolutely. is the whole that's the whole um two thirds, last two thirds. Yeah, of the book I mean the is, whole book is this, there's no distraction. That is the book. Yeah. Um yeah, and so this book has often been called the uh, the mystery Westmacott. Uh, ah, that's funny. It feels her, like a Westmacott hybrid. Yeah, is what I wrote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a quote uh, which in uh, Secret Notebooks where uh, John Curran, Curran, I Curran. say that every time. I think it's Curran. Curran. John Curran, Mark Curran, <laughs> Mark Curran, <laughs> walking on Memphis, and uh, he talks about how. Uh, it feels like a uh, Mary Westmacott. And, and thinking about this era, that makes total sense. I mean, we got Five Little Pigs, which also has very strong character study and psychological uh, background. And even though the, the puzzle is A-plus in that one, uh, the focus is on the characters, which she hadn't really done a whole lot up to that point. And then you have Absent in the Spring, which we both loved, mm-hmm. uh, which is her strongest when it comes to that. And then this book, uh, following it. So it, she was in a mindset. Definitely. And uh, there is a quote that I'm going to give from her about the mindset that she was in. I opened the wrong book to do that. Um, and I did mark them. That's John. That's not John Curran. This one is Mark Aldridge. I'm quoting. And it, your marker fell out. Oh, no. I'm they- going to be sad about it. Oh no! B flat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, Killing time. Where is the quote? I'm so sorry. Um, oh yeah, she uh, said. Oh, if I can't find it, I'm just gonna have to really like badly. Should give it off the dome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she said that at this point in her career. Uh, is that she was much more interested in the um, like psychological studies and people dealing with the consequences of her actions. She was much more focused on character and that she was finding herself leaning towards that rather than um, the puzzle-driven mysteries like we just kind of had with 
sparkling cyanide, which we feel was kind of a half and half. Yeah. Uh, because that has a puzzle mystery at its core, but it's just so strong with the characters that you end up feeling lost in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also one that, that goes back to her country house murders, which there was a quote on that that I liked, where she said, One thing that infuriates me is when people complain that I always set my books in country houses. You have to be concerned with a house, with where people live. You can make it a hotel or a train or a pub, but it's got to be where people are brought together. And I think it must be a background that readers will recognize because explanations are so boring. If you set a detective story in a laboratory, I don't think people would enjoy it so much. A country house is obviously the best. And she (laughs) says, it's dull nowadays. She said this in 66. You're always in a cement factory or an office, and there seems to be less (laughs) general play of drama in the surroundings. So she, cement factory, I like yes. that. So she was she was more interested in in people at this point. And yes. in these books, oftentimes, even though the hollow is a setting on itself, she kind of strips away like it doesn't have the gimmick of it is not or not the gimmick, but you know, it's not like exotic locales. You know, it is house people and inside their heads. Yeah. Because just like um Absent in the Spring, this book is very uh personal interior it's in it changes perspectives a lot yeah and it's yeah people um you're hearing what people are thinking exactly so when you first read it now first impressions when you first read it what were your reactions did you not like it when you first read it 1978 okay were you alive watergate do you what year was watergate (laughs) Second year, second time Nixon was running, or was it? Did that bother the lead singer of Leonard Skinner? No, it didn't. Didn't? No, he said Watergate <laughs> don't bother me. Does your conscience bother you? Famously, so we don't even need to speculate. No, no, no. He, we know. <laughs> so, what were your impressions? And I'll find some of these quotes. <laughs> oh, I thought you gave them already. Oh yeah, this was one that she said. Um, her first, when she was uh, outlining it, she said that it was a human story about human people. John Curran says it resembles a straight novel more than a detective story and has less in the way of clues and detection than any any of the other Poirot titles, and I believe that's true. And she said, this was the quote I was looking for. This Christie said this. Yeah. Okay. Naturally, one's methods alter. I have been more interested, and this was in 45, right around the time this was written. Naturally, one's methods alter. I have been more interested as the years go by in the preliminaries of crime, the interplay of character upon character, the deep smoldering resentments and dissatisfactions that do not always come to the surface, but which may suddenly explode into violence. So it was much more about characters and the way they interact with each other. And I think this book is great when it's in people's heads, but also firing on all cylinders when it puts two people together and has them sparring. One of my favorite scenes in this is Poirot and Henrietta, which we'll, we'll get into, and their moral debate, and these characters who are um, broken. Uh, she also dra- uh, dramatized, dramatized this for the stage. She took Poirot out of it because she said it was a mistake to put Poirot in, and he's in it super late. So she takes him out of it, and it plays much more straight. Uh, she says that he doesn't fit because he doesn't actually come in until, what, after the murder, which is after like the first 100 pages. Right. So when you first read this book, you were disappointed by it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it, I don't know, it was more of an emotional thing. I think that that's something that Christy does very strongly. <laughs> I'm asking Zach, I'm going to just be honest with the listeners, I'm asking Zach to hand me a tissue, because every time we start the podcast, I feel like something's going to come out of my nose. <laughs> Usually something does. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. <laughs> 
Thank you. Go ahead. Blood. <laughs> gross booger boy. Gross dwarf. booger boy. Wasps. <laughs> oh, no! Twenty <laughs> wasps come out in there. Angry as heck. <laughs> they are ticked off. But just at me. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, why are we in your nose? I don't know. Let us out! Go ahead. Really? Go ahead now? Yes. Okay. I'm going to deal with you my You want to ask for anything else? Uh, no, we're good. Okay. Were you alive? No, guy. <laughs> um, I appreciate Christy's ability to present how people are feeling on the inside, which I think it means a lot more back then than it did now because we're kind of used to that. People are always having commentary and have, like, are putting their thoughts on the outside of their head. But yeah. back then there was this... Um, you know, this facade, everybody had this facade. Nobody said what they really felt. It was all about what your your status was, how you were expected to act. And I like, yeah, I like that she peels that away. And she does that a lot in this where, like, the main, I guess, I don't know. There's not really, well, there's only, like, one, like, non-important character. Most yes. of these, David. it's a pretty small cat. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty small cat. Who was cut out of the movie and play because everyone in the universe, including Christy, was like, David did not need to be there. He was, you don't Utterly even pointless. know that he, he has no. And sometimes he pops she'll put up a every character say, in. I have an education! <laughs> well, sometimes she'll put a character in that's, even though it's very, very small, they serve like one random purpose, like mm-hmm. to negate or to um, confirm someone's alibi yeah. and that's their only purpose and then it's like exit stage left you never see them again but David does literally nothing through no. the whole thing pointless existence even Christy thought so <laughs> um so yeah the, the the victim we'll call him that uh the doctor John Christo you hear everyone Dr. else <laughs> you hear everyone else talking about how great he is he's such a good doctor he's so unselfish everyone loves him um, but you have already, before that, you have already been inside his head, mm-hmm. and you hate him. Oh, he's horrible. I hate him so much. I hate all of the characters, except for, like, one. But I really despise John he Crystal because garbage. it's so, he's so real, though. Like, you know, when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, this makes me think of someone. Someone in your life that you know that you don't like, and yeah. it's because of this horrible attitude. He was... Can you name them specifically for me? <laughs> no. <laughs> she could spell him. G- okay, mouth the letters. J. No. O. S. No. E. A. N. D. T. H. E. P. U. Josie and the Posey Cat. Charlotte, you freak. Were you even alive when they were there? Avatar the Wave Water in theaters now. So, yeah, I don't yeah, know makes, what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, that character makes you think of somebody. He's so realistically uh, mm-hmm. hateable. Yeah. Not hateable, not relatable in the way that you can never, like, be in his head. So like, he's oh, a, yeah, I understand how he feels. It's like, no, you're wrong about everything. So he's a doctor with a god complex, you know, yeah. he, and he, like, hates the patients that he works on. And he's and he's even thinking in his head, like, oh, everybody's like, oh, doc, you're such a good doctor. You love your patients. And he's like, I actually really do not. I like money and I like being a doctor, but I hate sick people. They're gross. And he's yeah. like, I hate my stupid wife because she's an idiot. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, Henrietta. My kids are weird. Yeah, Henrietta's the woman he loves. Oh, but she's so into her art instead of me. Like, she's such a, she's got to sculpt her stupid horse and she won't look at me. And why can't I just be with Henrietta? 
bit instead of my stupid or why can't I be with the actress I was engaged with forever ago but she was so dumb because she wanted to go to Hollywood and not quit acting to be my wife <laughs> garbage man yeah he is pretty bad and it changes every five seconds like he'll have these long conversations in his own head like why you know everything would be alright if this was just better and it's like no you would never you'll never ever be happy yeah. Because he's like, oh, now, um, because up until the moment that he dies, he's having, like, this big epiphany. He's out by the pool, and he's like, oh, I've confronted Veronica. I've told her off. She's out of my system. I I am going to be nicer to my wife. I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to be a better father. And he's like, everything's going to be better. And then someone shoots him, which is kind of like, it's an interesting moment. But also, like, you know that he never, ever, ever he was wouldn't. going to change. So you you cannot bring yourself to have any sympathy for this man. No. He is, a, he is incredibly hateable as a victim, as she often will do. But with, like, the ma- matriarch or patriarchs that she does who, like, ruin the lives of their families and everybody hates them, that can be almost to a cartoonish level. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you like, oh, she's really, like, laying it on thick. But this is so realistic. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think my emotional dislike of it was that she was so, the first time I read it was because she was so spot on with everything. I felt like she was reading my mind. And so that made me a little, like, uncomfortable. But reading it the second time, um, I have discovered that I still don't like it, but for very different reasons. So. Okay. Anyway. That's my first impression. So the first time I read it, and I had read... After taking it back from... After stealing it from several people, <laughs> I uh, I had read, like, Roger Ackroyd, Murder is Announced. I had read some of the more puzzle-driven ones. And when I read this one, immediately I was like, this one is so different. Mm-hmm. Like, we're spending time in the characters' heads. You really get to know them. I didn't have trouble tracking any of the characters because, like we said, there's, like, there's one. There's so few. One, yeah. two extra. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> And I did when I finished it. It was I didn't like immediately fall in love with it because I had read all the hits before that, uh-huh. and I didn't immediately fall in love with it. But like the more I chewed on it, the more I just admired the bold, the audaciousness, audacity. That's it of this book, <laughs> audacity of the holler. And ever since then, it's been one of the ones that my mind keeps going back to mm-hmm. whenever I think about how much of a genius she is and thinking like, how did she do blank? Mm-hmm. And this is like the prime example of. When I think of Christie as a genius writer, this novel always comes into my head. Huh. Interesting. And I will uh, do my TED Talk on that. But I think <laughs> it's time for another debate topic. Pineapple on the pizza or not? I used to be a fan. I don't think I am anymore. Oh my god. Golly, I I can still eat it. I still eat it sometimes. Uh, But it's never going to be my go-to at this point. (laughs) Riveting. Never have I ever. Never tried it? (laughs) I've never had pineapple on a pizza. Never will? Um, I made little miniature Hawaiian pizzas one time. Like little personal. Like like a little tight. No, it 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 was more upscale than that. But Ooh, like they, you bought a lunchable and put some pineapple <laughs> on it. Um, but Honestly, I will admit that I first did it without putting like the pizza sauce on it. Uh, like it was just like cheese and the pineapple and something else. Um, but it it was missing that. Like for some reason, the tomato with it actually made it taste better. Mm. But I don't. I would never order a pizza with pineapple on it. Mm. You? 
Uh, it's not I, I, like I don't mind it. Like I will eat a pineapple pizza, and it used to be one that I'd be like, "Oh, get a home, uh, Hawaiian pizza," because I like that. And also, as I've gotten older, I've been like, I, I don't. I would like when I eat pizza, I don't ever want to eat that. I don't have a problem with any, but like I'm not one of those people like pineapple doesn't belong on a pizza. I understand why people. Oh, like ham. That that's taste. the other thing that goes on it. Yeah. yeah, and I like ham on a pizza. I don't like. Okay, so here's my thing. I never want a Hawaiian pizza. A Hawaiian pizza is pineapple and ham. Pineapple on a different kind of pizza. So, if you get a barbecue chicken pizza uh-huh. with pineapple and jalapeno, mm. oh, doesn't sound very good to me. But I guess you've had it before and you were like that rocked. <laughs> it's good. That's... No, remember I like the other barbecue one that I couldn't figure. No, no, no. Out. <laughs> this was before that. Oh, okay. This that's a nice that's balance of flavors, actually. So you're saying pineapple on the pizza is good, just not Hawaiian pizza. I don't like Hawaiian pizza. I, I... Well, that wasn't the question. Is pineapple on the pizza <laughs> or not? I'm saying. I'm saying the place where I think it belongs. Okay. It sounds like a more wild thing than it is, but I mean, you would so people would eat barbecue chicken and like grilled pineapple. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that's not a weird thing together, Mm-mm. and so it just that to me pairs better than the standard Hawaiian pizza. But still, that's not going to be my number one. But if someone was like, "But I really want pineapple on my pizza," I would be like, "Okay, but I'm making it freaky." <laughs> just a warning I'm gonna get wild I'm gonna get wild Wendell or I would get a better pizza <laughs> alright or just never hang out with those people again yeah another riveting debate on don't drink the tea <laughs> uh, so yeah let's go through the plot quickly and then we'll get to the nitty and if you want if we have time we'll get into the gritty but that might be in the next episode <laughs> um, so yeah this week nitty next week gritty <laughs> so like we said they're all getting together uh, John has been talking with Henrietta. He kind of wants Henrietta to abandon her work and, like, the, they go off together, but he can't even commit to that because, in his mind, she's too distant. And, like, she won't... He's never happy and he's never satisfied. Yeah, he's never satisfied because, you know, the irony with him is that the only woman he could possibly be happy with is someone like Gerda who worships him. He doesn't want a woman who, that has... But all he does is talk about how annoyed he is right. at her all the time. Exactly. So he he cannot be happy with either kind, but that's the only kind of woman that he wants, and when he finally gets her in Gerda, he can't stand her. But Gerda, she thinks the world of him. And so we get to be in these the, the heads of these women. Like, you know, we get a, a great scene at the beginning where Gerda is, has made uh, dinner, and she's contemplating, oh, do I need to put it back in the oven to keep it warm because he has such a temper? How long do I wait for him? He comes up, he's in a bad mood because he's been thinking about Henrietta, and he, he just, you know, he yells at her and demeans her, and so and she's all upset about that, but still, throughout all of this, she's thinking, like, oh, he's a good man. Like, he's a doctor. He helps people. And even he's like, I hate sick people. And she's like, well, don't say that in front of the kids because they're going to think that you don't like caring for sick people and that you're not a noble doctor. And he's like, I'm not. I suck. I suck butt cheeks. And she's like, but don't say it in front of the kids because it's not true. <laughs> and also, like, she, uh, she's like, everything's her fault. Like, oh, it can, you know, John's perfect, so everything that goes wrong is obviously my fault. And, of course, John, being the garbage being human like, that he yes, is, yes, it is, goes, uh, oh, gosh, why do you always have to take... You know why? Why do you? Why don't you just get mad at me for once? Why do you always have right. to say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. It's my fault." It's like, hit your face. <laughs> why does John have Gerda drive to the Hollow? Why doesn't he just drive? He hurt because, his wrist. Oh, right, right, right. He hurts his wrist because then Gerda has to drive. She's terrible at driving. It's a, a stick shift. He hurt his wrist the same way I did, which was running in flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> running in flip flops on an icy day and falling on his wrist. So me and John. Cool guys who do normal things. 
who hurt our wrists in completely normal ways. And, yeah, so she has to drive as a stick shift. He, he yells at her the whole time, and it's, like, painfully bad. Um, Go away. Uh, Making my own so notes. That, yeah, they get to the to the hollow. Everything's kind of tense because they see that he's, like, you know, John is unhappy. Uh, Edward is also there, and Edward loves Henrietta. He's another cousin. Yeah, but he knows that Henrietta was always going to be hung up on John, and John is not available because John won't leave his wife. So it's this another love triangle. And then, like we said, they're having dinner, and this neighbor comes back and uh, Veronica, and she's she's coming to get matches, and she's like, John Christo, oh, I haven't Remember? seen you. Remember? We were engaged 15, 15 years, ago. years ago. She doesn't say that. <laughs> and so she's like, well, you need to walk me back to her ha- my house. And then they go, and they leave, and they're gone forever. And uh, then that's when he finally gets back, and then he's like, oh, Veronica was obsessed with me. He wanted to leave my fam- leave my family and be with her, but I'm not going to do that. I'm with Gerda. I'm a great guy. And that's when he gets shot by the pool. <laughs> Poirot had been invited to the house. He comes up, and it's this funny scene because he comes up. He sees uh, Gerda standing over John. Which we haven't talked about Lucy, who's like... The, Lucy yeah. and Henry are the ones who own the house. Sure. And Lucy is is also a like a very important character. Well, pretty much all of them are. But um, he, she's always playing dumb games. And so yeah. Poirot thinks that she's playing the murder game. Right, because she's like a, a crazy host. She's always saying like impertinent things about like, oh, it doesn't matter if people die. Like, why do you have to investigate crimes? Because once you're dead, you're dead. And she always goes <laughs> on these long rambles. She's very much like... Of the era of, like, Jane Austen and writers like that, where they always have the matriarch of the family be this flighty, mm-hmm. like... But you can always tell that there's a little bit of something behind what she's doing. Yeah. Like, there's some intention behind it. And so he walks up to it, and he's like, ugh, I, he's so annoyed, like, at this stage <laughs> murder. So he comes up, and in the movie, he actually, like, dips his finger in the blood, and he's like, oh, look at this fake blood. And then he's like, oh, this is real. Uh, and as he's there, he realizes the it's guy's real. laying there, and he's like, <laughs> Henrietta! Yeah, and his last dying word is Henrietta, who's the, the woman there. And then he dies, and Poirot's like, this is real. Uh, Gerda's standing <laughs> over him with the gun, which is part of it, which makes Poirot think it's fake. Henrietta grabs the gun from Gerda and drops it, quote-unquote, but it's obvious to everybody that it wasn't real, and drops it into the pool. Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning of the investigation. There's one inspector, one inspector, rare yeah. for Christie, but yeah. one inspector... Uh, named Grange, who comes and he investigates it. Like, it seems like it's airtight. Who has, I enjoyed that Christy said, described him, that he has a pessimistic mustache. Mustache, right. And Henrietta is <laughs> like, like... his mustache is just so yeah. sad. And Henrietta's like, how could I ever say anything to that mustache? Like, when she conf- uh, goes to Poirot about something, like, I can't talk to that mustache. She's like, but your mustache! <laughs> right, and he's like, ooh, it is. Uh, TikTok Poirot would... Uh, it he has would been said. blush at that. Yeah. And then do an awesome dance. He would dab. He would <laughs> floss out of the room. That's hard to do. It's hard to move and floss. It is. <laughs> yeah. You very fried. hard. Yeah. Down a Walmart aisle. Yeah, I broke my ankles. Yeah, both. And we had to get him a like a Walmart like cart and push him around it. Yeah. I got strapped into one into the spot where the baby's sitting. His <laughs> <laughs> little broken ankles just dangling out of <laughs> And I'm like, and what kind of crackers did you want? Ritz! I want for my mini pizzas! Ritz! So they start to investigate it. They're like, you know, it has to be Gerda. And everybody's kind of like, well, obviously Gerda's standing over him with the gun. But Gerda's like, oh, I came up to him and I found this gun and I, I picked it up. And then they're like, 
Yeah, okay. You're a... And she's like, no, I like, I walked up, I saw him dead, and I picked up him. Why'd you pick up the gun? I don't know, I just did. Okay, yeah, sure. And so they, like, they continue the investigation, but eventually they realize when they tested that the gun that she was holding above the body was not even the gun that he was shot with. And Poirot's like, this makes absolutely zero sense. <laughs> and then he starts to get interested in it. And he keeps talking about, like, how when he walked up to it, he thought it was that fake crime. And he's like, this, there's a scene. There's a mind here putting on an act for me. And I need to figure out the truth. Mm-hmm. And the whole family is just kind of like, yeah, well, whatever. Like, it's just because they have the inquest and it's like they, you know, they don't put it on Gerda when they find out that gun thing. And the family's like, you know, we just need to kind of like let it go. Mm-hmm. And Paro's like, no, I'm, I need to know the truth. It's not, I have to know. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about the ending of this book. I think that's like kind of important to talk about. Yeah. In connection to the book. So we are going to spoil it. <laughs> um, but anything you want to say before that, like some anal- analyzing, you can get into what you don't like about the book unless that's tied in with the ending. Cause a lot of what I like about the book is tied up with the ending. Um, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed the first part cause when I started reading it again and it's, it's all of the buildup to the murder and everyone's feelings, you know, being inside everyone's head and the characters are very complex and I enjoyed all of that. I'm like, maybe I misjudged this book. And then from the from the murder on, I felt like it was just a train wreck. That's just me. That's just me. Um, I I don't like the there's the whole subplot with Edward and Midge. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't like the way that that ends. I don't like anything that happens in the middle of that. It was very Westmacott because yeah. he does the exact same thing. Edward, who's the cousin who's in love with Henrietta. There's also another woman that we haven't even talked about. Another cousin, or she's not even related. Midge. She just hangs around. Yeah, she's uh, like you know she's special because she has her own job. Like she works in a dress shop, and mm-hmm. um, everybody treats her bad. But she refuses to take money from the family because she's she's a strong, independent woman. But like they don't like make that out to be a good thing <laughs> because they're all like. The all like we've said, all of the characters are unlikable in this. They're all very stuck up, and yeah. they all kind of look down on people who aren't in their circle. It's very yeah. much a click, and so they're all kind of like, "Why do you have a job?" And you go and you let somebody tell you what to do. Yeah, I and mean, she's Edward like, as a I person like is okay, but he's yeah. always like, "Hi, I'm Edward. I'm not good at anything, right? And you oh, know, I'm useless. Yeah, I, I love this one woman, but she'll like never love me back. So I'm just gonna go emo. He's definitely a pick me boy. Like he's <laughs> always like, no, oh, no one likes me, and they're like, uh huh. And then he's like, oh, I'm so bad at like writing and stuff. And they're like, no, you're you're fine. And you're like, oh, I'm I'm bad at eating. Like I eat real bad. Like, you're fine. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you want to kiss me? No, not really. Oh, is it because I'm useless and pointless? <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. Uh, yeah, so remember in, what was it? Oh, no. That, that, that happened in a Westmacott and it happened in um, the movie Finger when he, the, um, you know, the, the makeover trip. When he just yeah. takes that girl to go get a makeover. So Edward just the greatest goes into the shop and, and um, he's like, Midge, don't let them talk to you like that. Yeah, Midge works. Come marry me. And it's like, oh, okay. But no, it's not like that because he's like he says, "Come marry me," and she's like, she kind of is like Midge is a little bit of the voice of reason in the book because she's kind of only the only one who really has any sense, and she's kind of like, you, "You're ridiculous!" Like, 
you just like because he's been pining after Henrietta the whole time, and she knows it, and she knows that he's never going to get over Henrietta. Henrietta is never going to get with him because Henrietta loves John, right? But after she John's dead. So right. after that, she's like, "This is where I work. They tell me what to do because I work here, and you're being pathetic and silly." Like she goes with him, but the whole time but, she's saying, "You're an idiot." But no, she so, so she he says, "Hey, would you would you marry me uh, because you love my house?" Which is another thing I that annoys explain. me. Yeah. And I, I know why she did it. It was like, it was a an off stage projection of something that was an ideal that everyone had. Yeah. This house called Ainswick. It was like, we were always happy there. Nothing mm-hmm. bad ever happened there. You never see it. You never go there, which right. I think is good. She did that on purpose. But it gets really obnoxious, everyone talking about it. Because that's like... That's like every, what everyone measures their entire life and everything that happens mm-hmm. in it by Ainswick. And it's yeah. like... You people are just living in the past. but So anyway, right. Edward but, actually does live at Ainsworth. On that point, uh, she wanted to call this book Echo. Uh, that was one of her ideas to go along. So I think like in planning. Oh yeah, because she, she said the hollow was just an echo of, of Ainswick. Yeah. And Ainswick is, interestingly enough, they say the descriptions of Ainswick is a lot like Greenway. Oh, her, her original house. house. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, everybody is obsessed with this because it was before, like you said, before their relationships got so complicated mm-hmm. and so they keep being like we're gonna get back to that and like that's that's why it keeps coming <laughs> which is like, impossible we're gonna you be happy can't. again yeah. we're gonna be back at Ainswick and there's a reason why I think I have a positive and then you're having a negative to it <laughs> um, but yeah they, it does come up a ton right because literally everybody except Edward is like and that's why Edward is kind of like it's not even like he's like he's, well I live there and I'm not it's happy. not even like he likes Mitch <laughs> But because he's always thought of her as like a kid, right? Right. So that yeah, yeah that's what I, that's what I was gonna say. And like I, he's got, just I got like, distracted. Oh, she's the you know she's just the girl that hangs around. No, yeah. I interrupted you. Um, well, I, I went off on my Ainswick tangent. So Edward says, "Hey, will you come marry me?" And she's like, "Okay, yeah, sure." They go pick out a ring. Five minutes later, she's like, "I know you'll never be happy with me. Take your ring back." And he's like, "Well, yeah, okay. I I wouldn't be happy with you, but I tried." Then he sticks his head in a gas oven, and Midge rescues him, and then they get married. It's so, yeah. so cheap. The reason I disagree Everything about with it, the way like, you're that describing like every rom com, and, and then he's like, <laughs> yeah, "Oh, stick their head she, in the oven. she rescues him." Yeah, she. It's she, so typical. He like gets up. They're all staying at the hollow, and like she, she has to smash her hand through the glass. It's get pretty up, ball. And, <laughs> How is he entirely in the oven? Uh. Now, what does she smash? It's like an old-timey yeah, oven. She smashes the glass, in the, which I don't know why she can just open the window, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she I saves was... his life, and the first thing he says is like, oh, I can't even commit suicide properly. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wasn't even like, thank you for like saving my life. It was just, well, I thought about it, and you're right, I'm never going to be happy. So it was just, it was poorly done and not, it wasn't like he was suicidal through the whole thing. It was kind of just like, well, let me try this. I disagree. So <laughs> why I was saying, like, there's more in between that, I feel like the beats... I'm not being insensitive to, like... No, no, no. His... No, I'm not saying this is a is a realistic <laughs> I, I, I depiction think... of suicide. No, I feel like it thought. was just... It was a very poor, like, okay, nothing's happened for a few pages. Right. It's gone on so long, no one really cares about John Christoph anymore, so I'm going to almost kill off another character. I think... Um, all of those beats that you, that you give, like between him proposing, there's a lot more nuance in it because those do take longer. And through all of these decisions that they're making, 
I found as reading it that like she's agreeing to this but she's not happy with the agreement of it like it's yes. where she's like oh yes absolutely but there is this uh, there is always this pool like while they're looking through the the rings she's like thinking like no th- this this is just not gonna work but she lets it go through with anyway and even he this is just him like okay this is gonna make me happy like this is gonna work and, she, and they kind of know that and they have this back and forth as it leads to and the whole family is happy because um is it the hollow or Ainswick that should have gone to Lucy right but she was a, yeah she was a female so she couldn't inherit it they want to keep it in the name but they know Edward would will never marry because he's obsessed with Henrietta mm-hmm. so literally is everybody everyone's like yes marry her because it will stay in the family name so everybody's yeah. happy about this so they are kind of forcing themselves to be happy in mm-hmm. this and then he's like no we're both going to be miserable I'm not going to that's when they do the breakup yeah he does the gas oven thing which I also think she was trying to it was a slight mislead because this doesn't have a whole lot of those things in it either because I was putting myself in the place of someone who didn't know the ending and I'm like okay I could see while while you're having the scenes where like Edward is creeping by the door you could think Edward is the killer um, before no. you get to that point. No, never thought that. Just me. Well, I <laughs> was thinking, I think I could if uh-huh. I didn't know the ending. Because he is like the only other person it could be if I had to pick somebody else in the cast. See, that's the, the thing. It really, it doesn't really lend itself because <sighs> there's no real misdirect. I mean, well, there kind of is. Not, there's not, yeah, but there's not a direct one as usual. That's why I thought she was kind of throwing, actually, there's a ton of misdirects. Because that's the point of the third act. Yeah, but there's no... But no, like, one person. Right. And, and yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe she did that on purpose. That's kind of a vibe but. I got. And then, of course, it's not that, because there's no question of who put his head in the oven. As soon as she pulls him out, there is one part I laughed about. There's, like, a half of a page. She pulls him out. He's breathing, uh, like, he's having difficulty breathing. And then he has half of a page of dialogue where he's, like, saying a bunch of things. I'm like, how could you talk this much after you were just unconscious with your head in the it's oven? It's like... I never thought I would be happy with you, but I was willing to try because we all love it. She's like, oh, give yourself a sec, bro. Um, yeah, that section, I agree with you, is the weakest of the book. Um, that is the, when I read, I had actually forgotten about all of that. And that, like, that subplot. Because it yeah. doesn't really lend itself to be part of the book. I do think it's not quite as bad. Like, I enjoy it a little more. I think it has more nuance than her earlier not absent in the spring which is its own animal but the <laughs> earlier west macots with the suicidal moody boys absent in the spring is transcendent yeah and maybe the next one will be too we don't know <laughs> the west um, but i think there's a little more to it than that yes and would Personally. you like to discuss it more in the next, next time next time we're gonna go to blows <laughs> over the ending i think oh yeah we haven't even talked about that yet have we yeah I did might... we talk about the ending not yet i don't care <laughs> Tune in next time to watch me punch Charlotte in the nose. Or hear me. I'll just do it now. Three, two, one. <laughs> you think you'd make that noise if I punched you in the nose? See, I told you I can't I scream. I think you go, just ah! <laughs> you sound like Squidward. <laughs> Ow! Goodbye. <laughs> All right, that's it.